0: This is a Smart Passive Income Podcast with Pat Flynn, session number 156. <clears throat> Six.
1: Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now, so you can sit back and reap the
0: benefits later. And now your host, he wants to be a background in The Walking Dead, Pat Flynn. Now, as you know, On the technical side, this is one of the coolest things I've seen in a while. Through the host, Buzzsprout, you can automatically optimize your audio through their newest feature, Magic Mastering. you can actually get 33% more time on your plan, whichever plan you choose, just through this link alone. And that's smartpassiveincome.com slash buzzsprout. And that's a huge deal, 33% extra time on your plan just by going through that link. You can claim that again by going to smartpassiveincome.com slash buzzsprout. Check them out, they're awesome. Hey, what's up everybody? Thank you again so much for joining me today. I'm so thankful that you're here and you're listening in wherever you're at. I appreciate you so much. Today's guest, I'm really excited because his name is Abel James, somebody who I have been following for quite a while, and I got to know him really well at New Media Expo last year, and I actually saw him run up on stage to collect his podcast award. He has an award-winning podcast called Fat-Burning Man with Abel James, and that's his brand. He is in the health and fitness industry. He's been doing some amazing things in this industry that for one, is just quite saturated. So he's been able to stand out. But more than that, he's using transparent ways and authenticity, similar to how I run my business, to really stand out from everybody else out there in that space who's just doing things that aren't, you know, that, that, that at least for me, wouldn't let me sleep at night internally because there's just a lot of scammy red flag type things going on in this industry, in the fitness industry, and a lot of other industries And we're starting to see this trend of people who are very transparent, very honest, and open and upfront about things who are standing out because that's honestly what people want nowadays. And so I'm very happy to welcome Abel James here. You're going to find out a lot of things about him and how he got started. It's an amazing story, but also how he's been able to turn all of this into an upcoming book called The Wild Diet and his experience with writing that book, but also how he's been able to monetize his site through something unique, which a lot of us could probably benefit from, which are apps. I know a few people, especially in the fitness industry, who are doing really well with apps. And what I mean by apps is like iPhone applications or Android applications. And I know this is gonna be a a big aha moment for a lot of you guys as well. So let's get right into the interview. Here is Abel James from fatburningman.com. Abel James, what's up? Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast. How are you today, man? I'm awesome, thanks for having me on, Pat. Dude, this is so sweet. For those of you listening, Abel and I have met before uh, NMX last year. I watched him collect his prize on stage as the top health and fitness podcast in the podcast awards last year at NMX. Congratulations on that. Thanks, man. And uh, now you're coming out with this book called The Wild Diet. And I think, you know, a few of the listeners out there know who you are and what you've done. Your story is incredible. Can you start from the beginning for those of us who don't know who you are? and uh, how you came to be known as the fat-burning man. Yeah. So it depends
1: on where you catch me, but a
0: lot of people uh, know me from
1: my podcast or or online show. Um, Some people from YouTube, some people just from the blogosphere, but I've been blogging about health for a while and writing about it, actually working as a consultant um, within the industry. So right out of college, I started working as a consultant with... uh, a lot of Fortune 500 companies, uh, some of them were chemical, others oil, others in food. I, I kind of figured out that they were <laughs> one and the same a lot of the time. Right. Um, and so for a while there, I actually had to kind of uh, not be too upfront with my online persona. So I had this, uh, this dinky little blog called Honest Abe's Tips. Uh, for years that, that basically it was like, uh, Abraham Lincoln is peeking out behind a a notebook (laughs) computer as the little icon and, uh, you know, no one read it. And, uh, and that was okay. And that was about health and fitness and stuff. Yeah, exactly. But, um, but then with the fat burning man thing, basically I, I kind of looked at what was out there and I realized that whenever I'm looking at any, any book, first thing I do is flip it over and see like, is this person for real? What do they look like? Do they walk the walk? Whether it's health or business or whatever, it's like you can kind of tell from what someone looks like uh, if it's real or not. Because we, we can talk about this more later, but you know, a lot of books these days aren't written by the people whose names are on the front. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like mm-hmm. You kind of have to know what you're getting into, especially in the health industry. So I wanted to do um, what a lot of people aren't willing to do is just put yourself right out there. And so I kind of created this ridiculous, like over the top, fat burning man thing, which is like, you know, my thumbnail is a, is a picture of me like Wolverine looking with my shirt off, walking through the woods. And it's just, you know, kind of like Steve, Steve Cam is a mur- uh, mutual friend of ours. And I think that like his thing, nerd fitness is just so much fun. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of uh, opportunity to bring positivity to such a negative industry, such a negative world through, you know, <laughs> kind of just putting yourself right out there.
0: Yeah, I mean that's definitely what Steve does. Again, he's at NerdFitness.com. I've been trying to get him on the show for a long time too, because his community is just—I mean, they're just huge fans of him and the brand, and they—they they all sport his shirts and stuff. Totally, um, so and, much fun. And what's cool about Steve, but all, you, you, more so about you too, is—is is you are very successful in a niche that is extremely competitive. Yeah. And a lot of people come to me and they say, Pat, like I'm really interested in the health and fitness industry, and if people came to you and said the same thing. Abel, how, like, I'm interested in health, nutrition, fitness, diet, and I want to get into the space. I want to build a brand. What yeah. would you say to them? Would you say, no, it's kind of full already? Or what would you say for those people?
1: Well, I love it. Actually, I don't even think you know this, Pat, but I've been following your your blogs and your stuff for a long time. And you're like scrappy and like get it and have this like deep analytical mind um, that you really openly let people see. And I think that's so cool. On my side, it kind of appears as if that's not going on, but it totally is, you know, like behind the scenes. Yeah, there was a lot of me kind of like sitting back, analyzing what does it look like right now? So when I started uh, my podcast and that whole brand of Fat-Burning Man, that was like, you know, four years ago, and it was not cool to talk about health and paleo with no one had heard of it. And, mm-hmm. you know, like eating real food was something that was just not really talked about that much, but I could tell that it was, that people were starting to get interested in this and that the pendulum was kind of swinging back toward people care about their health because things are just getting so bad. So, I mean, if you look at uh, where to start a business, and I started a lot, you know, at the same time, I actually started an online network for entrepreneurs, um, startup jumper, you know, that I never uh, wound up monetizing, but it was actually kind of a cool little experiment. But I did a lot of different things. And yeah, health is so saturated. It's so cutthroat. And you know, people who are willing to advertise on porn sites and and do all this other stuff, like not writing their own books and gaming systems, you're kind of competing against this this uh, you know w- <laughs> this industry is ugly. You yeah. know, when you when you get to see its underbelly and the inside out. So yeah, there's there's a lot of that. But at the same time, you know, I was looking at where I was coming from. What what are the things that I can do better than what's out? out there you know and being a musician someone who knows how to use a microphone is certainly comfortable in front of one Mm -hmm. um i'm just like well obviously having like some sort of multimedia experience where i talk about the truth in a way that no one else really does or is willing to was something that i thought was not only a passion of mine I've, i've always been a health nut but also kind of like a service that creates this thing that's so much bigger than you and then you kind of you have to do it and you have to keep doing it because you built this community uh, it's, it's this whole ecosystem and organism that, that you're responsible for in the same way that, you know, people are wearing Steve's shirts around and just like <laughs> pioneering yeah. his cause. Uh, when you start to see that you're really affecting people, it's a cool thing.
0: It is. It is really cool. So you stood out sort of on the different platforms, multimedia, like you said, you stood out because you were taking an honest approach, which is very similar to the approach I took in a yeah back then very, uh, sort of nasty industry called internet marketing, which right. is still Fairly nasty as well. <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, you put your personality into it. I know this because I read your blog and I listened to your show before and, and I love that. And I think everybody should be doing that on their site, no matter what kind of business they have. Yeah. Y- you said that you could tell though, that there were signs that what you were going to talk about had life to it. What were those signs? You know, I was
1: fortunate to kind of, um, actually I was just talking to a, another mutual friend, Jamie Tardy about this, how there are kind of within any movement uh, it doesn't matter if it's marketing on the internet or if it's a health industry or or basically anything in between. There are kind of these classes of people who come up at the same time, right? And I think you and I are are kind of, we came up at around the same time, but a lot of us became friends because we were coping with uh, being scrappy and not seeing results and talking through that and and trying to get to something that's a little bit better. And so I think for for people who are out there listening, trying to figure out what to do, like realize that, me coming on and and launching a podcast that goes like straight up the charts and then dominates for a while wasn't me coming out of nowhere you know what i mean it was it was uh this this carefully calculated and strategized appearance in a marketplace in a lot of ways that i knew was stacked against me so you better do it right you know you better um figure out how that marketplace of discovery say it's you know we play in the apple itunes world of podcasts Mm -hmm. where you have to know how that how that works and why reviews matter and when you should ask for them and how to ask for them so uh i kind of got into this in a totally weird way where uh (laughs) i was the musician at the austin internet marketing party so Uh, no way yeah that was my that's actually that was was my foray into this because i didn't even know that this crazy world existed right And uh, so I was, I was just a musician in Austin and uh, also a consultant, you know, that was my day job or whatever, but I wound up playing this party like every month. That was a great party. And all these people were (laughs) uh, millionaires and I met a lot of them and kind of asked them about what they did. And I'm like, I'm not so sure that I trust this stuff. Like Mm -hmm. what is going on here? So then I I just got so fascinated by that whole thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and that really much, in a lot of ways, informed when I appeared, you know, in the, in the health industry,
0: which was, uh, I kind of knew what I was up against. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you took a, a very carefully calculated approach to it. Just great, you uh, decided to go on these other platforms, which didn't exist as well. So you knew how you were going to stand up, but were, was there any point during this journey in the beginning when you were like, I don't know if this is the right thing to do, or is it, you know, this is totally oh. brand new. I'm, oh. I'm scared. dude. Dude. So (laughs) when
1: you, uh, when you go for, so Abel Bascom was the government consultant who shook hands and wore suits and, and gave keynotes and that sort of thing. Abel James was, uh, if you Googled that, it was my Musician persona, which I also needed to market in a totally different way. And when I, you know, used Abel James to take his shirt off and and do these like Wolverine photo shoots and stuff that popped up on Facebook or shared, I mean, I was the laughing stock of basically every social circle I was ever in. Um, And there was so much uh, of people saying, You can't do that. What what are you doing? Have you lost your mind? Should you be institutionalized? (laughs) And I think at the beginning of any sort of like entrepreneurial. Venture certainly before you've proven yourself, which never actually happens. <laughs> as it mm-hmm. turns out, uh, you're you're really subjected to so much of that backlash and that dragging down and that whatever that comes from standing out. But I realized that uh, you know I, that's the thing that gets people ahead is being known for something, and and I wanted mine to be positive. You know, being being known as the guy who talks about. Uh, health in in a truthful way, in a, in a very passionate way, uh, that's kind of on my own terms because I hadn't seen that. You know, there were like so many uh, people who were monetizing, but like a snake eating its own tail. You know, where you, where you sell this book, but your diet only works if you buy this
0: fat blaster pill that goes along with it. And I yeah, just yeah. I wanted to be the opposite of that. That's cool. So going into it, you know, you just decided to do this podcast. How were there any other health podcasts? Kind of around at the time?
1: Yeah, totally. So what I saw is, you know, Rob Wolf is someone who's behind uh, a lot of the paleo work and uh, well-known in the field. And he has a great podcast. That's He's been doing it for longer than I have. Um, but that that whole approach is basically, he's he's a nerd like the rest of us talking about biochemistry and science with really smart people who love the gym and like the gym rat culture and mm-hmm. the whole CrossFit side of things. And so they're not afraid to use potty mouth and, you know, like drop F-bombs and stuff like that. And then I saw on the other side, they were kind of like, at least at the time, there were a lot of people who set up a microphone, but not very intentionally. And the sound wasn't good. And they're just kind of like giggling and there are all these technical glitches. So it's not that like high value. Mm -hmm. And so for someone like me coming in there, I knew that if I could deliver something that was high value in an entertaining way that people could listen to, that was also me on my best Best behavior, you know, like kind right. of ca- <laughs> uh, a friend called me Captain America um, <laughs> for that online, like Fat Burning Man persona. Because if you meet me in person, you know, I'm much darker. They're a multicolored personality. And I've been, you know, in the arts for a long time. So it's not always happy go lucky able or whatever. But mm. um, I wanted to bring that to the marketplace because I saw that that's what it didn't have. It had Jillian Michaels at the top of right. the rankings. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to just break that open and show that you could do that independently as well um, without any sort of back scratching. And, you know, the a, a big hack for me was a lot of people can't really get by and be that compelling without swearing, but I've been, <laughs> I've had to be on my best behavior for a long time. So
0: I'm good at kind of switching that whole language when I need to. Yeah, that's good. Well, that's great for the show because we don't do swearing on the show, or right. I, I edit and it out, and you know that because you listen, so.
1: Totally, and you do it so well, but a lot of other people can't, so what that means is that, you know, uh, I, I even ask my own listeners, I'm just like, listen, do you want me to talk 100% authentic who I am, or do you want me to make sure that it's polite, uh, you know, no swearing, whatever, and they're like, Abel, we listen to this with our kids. Like, 90% of people said no swearing, Yeah, and I thought that was great.
0: Think crazy. I, I would… Hmm. I'm curious to know how many podcasts out there swear versus not swear. But anyways, yeah. Now going it's, into it's hard, and it's hard for your guests not to swear. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean that's why they have editing, right? Yeah. Uh, but going into this space, okay, you're 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 really uh, dedicated to it, and you're going full strength. You decided how to stand out. At what point did you decide, or did you ever? figure out early on how you were going to monetize because all these other people who were in the space already, they were doing it in these sort of sleazy ways. Did you at ever in one point want to do what they were doing? Just kind of, you know, mimicking or mirroring what they were doing in terms of monetization or did you have plans moving into it or was it just totally just, Hey, I'm just going to put myself out there, build an audience and see what happens. It
1: was totally the latter. And I wanted to let that kind of guide where it went after that Mm -hmm. because I knew I wouldn't be comfortable saying, Hey, here's my diet book. By the way, my diet book only works if you take this pill, um, which is very profitable. You know, like a lot of people don't realize that the reason that most diet books are out there are to sell product consumables that people can buy every week or every month in the form of shakes bars pills other things like that this is very well known in the industry and coming from the industry side as a consultant i saw the guts of it i saw how all that worked Mm -hmm. and i saw that the consumers were a total afterthought as were most of the products Um, so yeah i kind of wanted to come out with with clear intentions of saying i want to democratize the truth in health you know essentially not not that i'm a guru i'm just a normal guy trying to navigate this world like anyone else but i think hopefully by by finding the right people talking to them uh and, and letting them share their own expertise and experience in the health world uh, other people can learn from that and i was very intentional in not having you know i was offered um 40 grand a month years ago to advertise on my show by a bunch of different places and i've turned down that. I turned down the half million dollar book deal. I turned down a lot of things to keep this uh, high integrity and to keep it authentic. And um, we can eventually get to how I monetize that if you you want to. Yeah,
0: well, we'll get there in a second, but I just want to say, you know, thank you for for, for saying that. And, uh, you know, it's very much in alignment with how I approach things. I've gotten Mm -hmm. approached for five-figure sponsorship deals, like mid five-figure range. And it's just like, it doesn't make sense if it's not going to help my audience or it's just not the right fit. Mm -hmm. So, uh this is why I love you Abel. I mean just we we align in our values and in, in this so much. Um when you started out how did you get exposure? I think a lot of people can relate to figuring out ways to stand out, understanding a niche whether it's competitive or not, and understanding yeah. what they could possibly do to make an impact and make noise in it. But then how do you actually make noise? How did you make yeah. noise when you first started out?
1: Well, <laughs> I think anyone who's seen me on the internet, it's pretty obvious, right? But if you if uh so I learned from Mark Sisson, who is behind uh, the Primal Blueprint, who's uh, I'm, I'm very happy to say a friend and in some ways a mentor, you know, he was <laughs> whenever he was on media and he would kind of like joke about this with me is like the media would want him to take his shirt off because he's the 60 year old with it with a, a six pack. And so, anywhere you know, that gets a lot of clicks on the Internet, unfortunately. I, I learned this the hard way. You know, at the beginning, I had this uh, this article that was about it was a good article about a, a blog post. Um and I tested it with a bunch of different pictures and thumbnails. And one of them was like super artsy. And you know, I'm into photography. I'm not great at it, but I, I really like setting things up and kind of mm-hmm. like communicating an idea. So it was this little cherry tomato on this big plate with like a fork and knife. And uh, then there was another one that was basically like this beautiful picture of kale. And then the, <laughs> the one that I was testing was basically a picture of me with my shirt off. You know, it was just like blatant, flagrant abs. and. Uh, So I measured the clicks that came in on that because it excels, right? So I wanted to see if that was actually true. And sure enough, you know, the picture of Kale got like two clicks. The picture, uh, the artsy picture of the cherry tomato got four. And the picture of me with my shirt off got like 122. And I was like, oh, my Lord. Okay. And it took me that kind of like, I needed proof. And I also needed to look at myself and be like, what can I stomach? What am I up against? Uh, what do I have that other people don't? And I decided, you know, a good voice, whatever, good-looking man, plenty of that in the health industry. But what I have is no shame because I've been in uh, in performing groups, making a fool of myself in front of thousands of people for years. So I'm used to being made fun of, poked, you know, people poking fun at me. So why not make like a stupid name that's like blatantly SEO heavy and like really memorable? like fat-burning man, and just run with it.
0: Hmm. So what would you say would be the big lesson for everybody out there listening? In
1: terms of- no shame. No, it's it's mostly about look at what's out there and uh, be willing to stick out. That's what it takes. You don't want to be copycat you know, uh, of, of someone else's. You, you want to learn by deconstructing, like you do, Pat, on, on your blog, like other systems, best practices, what's working. But you need to figure out what you come to the table with what why people will recognize you and that will resonate with people like the truth of all of that the more you get to know yourself and come to terms with that like the reason that your uh blog and podcast blew up pat isn't because they're awesome it's because you're awesome and like no matter what you do once you nail that down people start to respond to that so it's it's really about cultivating your own inner thing your own voice if if yeah, I think voice is probably a good way to describe it because it doesn't matter if you're writing or if you're talking on camera or having a podcast. It's about what are you communicating to people?
0: Right. I mean, you want people to fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. So-and-so is awesome because blah, whatever the, the blah, is, right. the blank is. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> not blah, you know, you want it to be positive, not blah. But, yeah. uh, you know, you want people to know what that is when they come to your site and understand yeah. who you are and get to know you and your voice and your personality Um, I want to dig a little bit deeper. In the beginning, were there any specific strategies or was it just simply the image that kind of went viral type of thing? I mean, were there guest
1: posts or? Yeah, yeah. What I did that a lot of other people didn't do, and this was like a blatant, I I would think that this would be a blatantly obvious strategy, but especially at the beginning when what I was after was credibility in the field, right? Not monetizing it uh, like a lot of other people. I was looking at, how do we rise up in the rankings? Um, and knowing that there are people like Kindle, there are Kindle people who read Kindle books and then there's everybody else. There, there are people who listen to podcasts and then there's everybody else. And it's a very small, tight-knit community. So the best way to get someone to listen to your podcast isn't by going to an average person being like, hey, listen to my podcast. Um, it's by getting podcast listeners to listen to your podcast. So I had a lot of people who had successful shows with tight knit audiences that really resonated with what uh, I was doing and what my audience would be interested in. So I was very, very intentional about, I was probably on like twice, maybe three times as many of other people's shows as my own. And Mm -hmm. that, you know, when someone hears your voice talking about something and they dig it. They, like, getting someone who already is addicted to listening to 12 podcasts a week to listen to one more
0: right, is right. a pretty easy sell. I think that's smart. And it's something that we see all the time in YouTube. You see people who have audiences, feature somebody else mm-hmm. who wants to get in front of the audience, and then they kind of do an exchange. Totally. And then the other person goes on the other video, and you see these, like, cross promotions very, very much, especially in the sort of the music industry and even health right. and fitness on YouTube it's not so intentional on on podcasts and i think again podcasts as as we all know are just sort of now going mainstream i mean there's huge yeah. opportunities to not only get more exposure but you know build those incredible relationships with other podcasters i mean you have to be yeah. intentional with that and it sounds like that's kind of what you were doing at the beginning
1: yeah and i i also um kind of see all of this as a career musician and you jam with people it's not competitive you know like or at least you don't have to see it that way i love that word jam
0: because that's A lot what we doing of, right now. We're jamming. This is
1: we're totally jamming. We're riffing on each other. It's great. <laughs> but that's what it is. And too many people, I think, you know, they get they have ego problems or whatever, and uh, they don't want to have anything to do with other people who might be better than them or compared right. to them or you know doing this one thing that they're not doing or making more money. But it's really just about like what can we share with each other? What what messages can we? We all have gray areas. We we all have our inner demons or whatever that we struggle with. But. We all, like, having compassion enough to accept people as they are, even your own guests, you know, on your show, and deciding not to throw them under under the bus when you totally could, right, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, is, I think, what's going to really differentiate this new kind of, like, independent independent media platform that we have. Because it's it's basically the opposite of Bill O'Reilly, right? It's, like, we treat each other well.
0: Yeah. So you're standing out and you have a platform and you have a voice that is unique, but you're also pronouncing that voice on other people's shows to even make it more obvious that you're somebody that's different.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's cool. Like coming onto a show like yours, like it doesn't matter if people are interested in health to hear this whole other side. Like this is great content for, for your show, which is in a different, uh, different focus from mine, but you still get this like really cool organic thing that comes out of it, you know, that cross pollination Mm. is, is just beautiful. And that was another thing that I did was just, you know, health is our excuse to talk on my podcast, (laughs) but like, we really talk about philosophy, about mindset habits. If you look at it, if you look at the guts of what it is, it's really pretty close to a lot of the lifestyle and business shows. Um, it's just like the excuse to, to get there and talk about things is usually health. So I think viewing things with that that open mind, I was also really willing to do things that, that a lot of other podcasters weren't because they're always after getting the biggest names and like people who can get them a huge subscriber base and and doing So that's one of the strategies, right? Is, is going on other people's shows and letting that cross-pollination happen. But another one for me, I think was, you know, I realized that having my mom on the show was like my second most popular show. <laughs> That's so cool. That I had compared to, you know, Gary Tobbs, I think was number one. And then there was my mom and like all these celebrities and like New York Times
0: bestsellers. So what did you authors. talk about with your mom?
1: It was just real. You know, she's she's a holistic healer um, and she loves food and she's had thyroid problems. And we talked about, you know, just joked about what I was like as this crazy oh gosh, little kid who grew up. Right it, it's Yeah. So it's just a lot of people aren't willing to like have their mom on the show, but they should be, right? Because that's, um, that's the real you. You
0: can't hide yourself when you're interviewing your mom. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. Okay, so you're building this audience, you're doing a lot of great things on the podcast, on the blog, and then tell me the journey of monetization on your site. When, yeah. did, when did that sort of first enter your brain, but then actually come about? So, um, like
1: I said before, I was intentional about getting credibility first and kind of like stature in the field being recognized for something and that um and then monetizing it was difficult because i basically what i was faced with is i was making really easy money at that point in in consulting working like 10 hours a week and getting like a paycheck that was good enough to just (laughs) like keep doing it even though it totally blew Mm. so I i was getting these emails about like let's have a meeting about this meeting we're gonna have next tuesday and Compare that to, oh my God, Abel, I've been listening to your show for a month. I lost 40 pounds, totally like turned my life around. And you get enough of those and you put those things next to each other and you're just like, all right, I, I can't do this anymore. I got to find a way to kind of turn this into its own thing and, and be conscious about that, like conscious capitalism. Um, mm-hmm. And I kind of looked at what was out there. I saw all the different models of making money and I'm just like, I don't, I can't really feel comfortable with that, but what do I do every day? You know, like what what can I share with people? And being someone who like totally fell in love with, with food and cooking and feasting and that whole side of things, what we do every day is like really, it revolves around food. And so like what we're doing right now in between these interviews is making cooking videos for people. And my book that's coming out is basically just like, a cookbook that's encapsulated by memoirs from my life stories. Um, so storytelling and getting people to, to gather around a dinner table, I can get behind that getting good food into schools, you know, things like that, that they really get me excited and feel good instead of being like, okay, got to like downshift into extracting money from the end consumer. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not about that. I want it to be like, this, this organic thing, uh, no pun intended that basically the, um, people feel comfortable buying something that makes sense from me. You know? So when I had a, a number one podcast coming out with something to, to make money that made sense was like, what do we got? Okay. A world full of people who don't have quick, easy meals, but they do have cell phones. So let's make apps and ebooks that go directly on the phone and videos that do that too and monetize that way so selling apps it like i said within that same apple marketplace my my listeners are apple customers (laughs) and like apple customers are okay buying apps especially really good ones so we made really good apps and then monetized that way and, and blew that up too when you say we built apps who's we when I first started, actually, I've been a programmer for a long time, but I think one of the important things to do as you kind of like level up, you learn what you like, you learn what you don't like, what mm-hmm. sucks your energy, what you're good at. I'm not like my time isn't best spent anymore writing code. So when I first um, started doing the apps, I'd partner up with people. Actually, I parted, partnered up with my buddy George to do Caveman Feast, which was uh, paleo recipes that, that he developed. And, you know, I, I helped him out with a lot of the, uh, like editing it and formatting it and and making sure that the pictures were all in line and mm-hmm. the rest of that but i I partnered with him, and I also partnered with another guy who um really liked being scrappy in the app marketplace named Andreas and who's also a friend of mine and so we made um a number of apps with our own content and with other people's published content, basically as a way of um uh, you know with Apple doesn't give you any access to your own listeners, um, or subscriber base, or at least not direct access. Mm-hmm. So, um, one of the cool ways to get them to take that extra step and sign up for your, um, direct list is to come out like that. Basically that's why I did the apps is to have people listen to the show, which was directly linked to in the app. So kind of like use the Apple marketplace there, people who weren't normally listening, mm-hmm. get, getting them to do that. And, and also um, about 11% of people who downloaded the app um, also signed up for our list, uh, which we embedded directly into the app itself. And so that's like a really cool thing where your different online properties start to populate each other um, yeah, and you're awesome. drawing from the different marketplaces to grow.
0: That's awesome. I've actually downloaded the Caveman Feast app. It's oh, great. cool. <laughs> uh, thank you for that, actually. It's very,
1: very yeah, man, it's it's so, helpful. It's, thank you. Yeah, and we, so we tried to make it, we tried to play to our weaknesses, right? Like we can't compete against the Food Network and Martha Stewart in terms of like sheer volume of content and professionalism and all this other stuff. Um, but we can certainly beat them in the marketplace by making stuff that's real and super helpful and timely, you know, that we beat them to it making a really cool, beautiful app. That's not perfect, but it's there, you know, and it's, and it's made for them. Mm -hmm. It's made for, with the end consumer in mind. How long did it take you to get your first app out there? It only took a few weeks, actually. I I guess the first one was a few months just because we were going back and forth on a few things and Mm -hmm. really getting the, kind of like, uh, it's really not much different from building a website. Once you build one, you can build a lot of them. You kind of have this template down, you have this, this uh, code that runs behind it. You know how to use that code. You know what you can manipulate. And, and interestingly enough, the first app that we made, actually the, the framework of it, it uh, came from, Andreas had this, um, this one blog about being a bicyclist in London. And so he, he made this app that's basically a uh, photos and text on this on-the-go manual that you can have on your phone. If, if you're broken down on your bike, you need to replace a tire or whatever. You can do it, you have instructions on the road. And so, serving uh, text and pictures works just fine as a bike manual, but also pretty well for a cooking app. So, yeah, once cool. you kind of learn how to navigate those waters, right? Like you, you start to see how things are similar and you can replicate them. And that's how you really build a business around all this.
0: Right. I love that. And the, the apps uh, look great. May I ask you, I'm just curious, how many downloads are we talking about here for these apps?
1: In, uh, <laughs> so Caveman Feast was crazy because um, when I launched it, I was actually filming for something else. I was like in the middle of something else. And uh, within the first hour, uh, it was the number one food app. Um, and I didn't know how many downloads it was getting. And then by the end of the day, it was number six in the whole App Store, uh, and Angry Birds was like number forty-four. I think so. It was it's like so crazy. So you know, Minecraft and Mickey Mouse and Caveman Feast. And It's just like right. We're like, are you kidding me right now? What are, what sort of volume is that? And this is a paid app, right? Yes. Okay. Um, it's I, I think it's three ninety nine. We move it up and down with the seasons and when we're promoting it or whatever. But yeah, usually it's around three ninety nine for two hundred. You know, recipes compared to a cookbook. And it's uh, an awesome deal. But at the same time as a small little indie, it doesn't cost us anything to make it really. It does once and then you can replicate it. And and so we were getting, I can't remember off the top of my head, but over a thousand five star reviews in the first like 24, 48 hours,
0: reviews. Yeah, reviews (laughs) are typically like 10% of the downloads.
1: And, and so. downloads were well over ten thousand. We we hit over a hundred thousand in the first few months of that, uh, which was just like incredible to me.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, and so it's hard to conceptualize that. Y- it got to number one because you had this audience and trust that you've built with them already.
1: Yeah, and and George did too. It wasn't just me. You know, it was um, it was this awesome, cool thing, and also paleo, especially then, was just starting right. to be a thing, and and so. Like what is going to be big? Like paleo within my own brand, um, paleo is problematic kind of because it's so easily abused now by other marketers who are selling you know sugary processed food under its name mm. that you don't want to be too attached to something like that. But if you're looking at coming out with something that's very timely that might have a chance at at really blowing up the charts, like you have to look at who who isn't there yet, what's about to be big, and then you actually by deciding that if you're if your fan base is big enough and excited enough you actually help that be the next big thing you know cuz like it was kind of crazy like i had never seen a recipe app up that high you know i'm looking at the top charts all the time cuz that's like an avenue of discovery for me like what finding new cool apps or whatever and so to bring paleo out there in enough marketplaces and it's not just me you know it's like a lot of people but um being wrapped up in something that's cutting edge like that is really cool and i think people can really do that. Even in a, you know, saturated marketplace like health, we found a way to do that. It's, it's going to be different three years from now, right now, you know, like Mm -hmm. uh, it's always changing. But as long as you kind of align yourself, like I said, with the right class, the reason that I was able to partner with George is because we were friends from like two years before that, you know, and we were just drinking at a bar and like, it was either we were going to fight or we were going to, become friends and we looked in each other's eyes and decided to be friends it's like <laughs> but you can't have those you know magical partnerships that appear out of nowhere you really have to nurture the right kind of thing and then you can do great work together
0: yeah thank you for that and i, and I want to remind everybody of a uh, previous episode of the smart passive income podcast episode number 39 actually way back over 100 episodes ago um this was a, a success story outside of the online business space but it was about iphone apps and this person named mike Dunin who along with his wife, they created a very niched application for his audience and his clients that was helping kids with speech. And it's called Speech with Milo. It's this like little cartoon Mm -hmm. mouse. Um, But he's doing like five figures a month on that thing. And I was in the iPhone app industry. I I still am just because I have old apps that are on there and they're still making money. But um, my, my partner and I in that, we got in trying to serve everybody. We wanted to be the next iFart. I mean, that's really what we <laughs> wanted to be. Uh, we didn't make any farting apps, but we we tried to create stupid, silly apps. And for yeah. a while, they were doing okay, but then psh, we just kind of left and are gone yeah. now and are deep in the archives. And Flappy bird. Right. Oh, <laughs> Flappy bird syndrome. <laughs> right, but I mean, but that made so much money right at the beginning. Sure, I mean, we yeah. weren't even close to that. Yeah. Uh, but 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 the point here is, okay, you took the time to find a niche that you were interested, in, had passion, expertise in. It was very large and you found your space in it. You built this audience through trust with your podcast and your, your, your just authenticity, um, and you built this authority. And then here you are coming out with an app for this very particular niche, but it's almost guaranteed, I don't wanna say guaranteed, but it's, it's, it's set up to do great things when you approach it that way, as opposed yeah. to how my partner and I did it, where we didn't have any audience, and we're just like, here's an app world, like, right. <laughs> like, please like it. And we were like paying for ads for a little bit, and it's just yeah. like it was really, really forceful to try and get the word out there. If you have an audience and there's a specific solution that you could build, and perhaps it's an app, perhaps it's a product, perhaps it's a membership site, whatever it is, I mean, that's that's your cue to go ahead and do that. It's 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 going to be set up if you have that trust and authority.
1: And I think that's really what it's about. It's it's uh, you know, for me, it was kind of easy because all of my. Uh, Mojo in the online world is really tied up in the present. And uh, so, what that means is like having a podcast and not having a book, not having another product that they could buy. Like, basically, if they want more from whatever we're doing, they'll buy it. And so, you do those things very intentionally and you do them at the right time. You know, so then when I didn't have, you know, a hardcover book, that was the right thing to promote. Now, it's pretty easy for me to go on media having written a hardcover book and talk about whatever. (laughs) Yeah, but I have a book, so it makes sense. And that's kind of like a timely thing. And, and, you know, oddly enough, and we can talk about this more if you want to, um, after you get a, a book advance, you don't make any money from your book. So like you go on this huge media tour or
0: whatever for selling this product that you don't make any money from. It's, it's very fascinating how it all works. Yeah, let's, let's talk about the book. So the book comes out actually, for those of you listening to this on April 8th, when it comes out, it came out yesterday. So uh, <laughs> congratulations in the future thank you. Uh, that it came out. I hope it does really well. And, and, and uh, I'm sure people are going to check it out. We'll have the links <laughs> in the show notes for you and all that good stuff. But talk about kind of the the life of this book and how it came to be and, and all the stuff that you just mentioned. And, uh, and I know there's a lot of authors in the audience. And this is so it's a, it's a traditionally published book. Yeah. And is this well, it is this time. Is this something you've always wanted to do or kind of somebody approached you with a deal? This is so funny. Because I,
1: um, you know, eventually I did put out some of my stuff, um, basically just just blog posts that were um, really organized well as, uh, as an ebook. And I called it The Wild Diet. But it started off before that as Fat Burning Man, this thing that I was written only for men that, you know, I printed a bunch of Kinko's and gave it to, to friends and like whenever I spoke or whatever. So it, it's kind of been this evolving thing. And I was actually at a mastermind in Florida uh, for a bunch of health experts, and uh, they invited me to speak. And I I got up there and I talked about how stupid it was to get a book deal and like to waste two to four years of your life slaving away for a publisher that doesn't care about you that you know where you're not making any money and you're kind of like oh it's just who has time for that right and so that's that's what I said in my speech and I said why don't you instead you know nurture your blog. Start a podcast, uh, make an app for five or 10 grand that can give you immediate access to, to your fans. Give them what they need, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, don't go through, th- this whole charade is outdated. You don't need these dinosaur publishers anymore. So like, mm-hmm. I get off stage and I'm approached, you know, immediately by, uh, by an agent who, who of wants desperately to prove me wrong. And so I'm like, okay, like, whatever. <laughs> and so we put together a, a proposal for the wild diet And, uh, it has nothing to do with the book. Like, I hope people realize that it has nothing to do with the book. And it never, what has nothing to do with the book? The whole publishing thing. Oh, okay. (laughs) You know, and, and there are definitely exceptions, but for whatever reason, this avenue of, of basically having deals thrown at me, I didn't even have to go to New York. This agent you know, uh, set up like 18 calls in, in just a couple of days where I was being shopped around because it's this, this hot new diet book. What that means is that they saw that we saw, sold 100,000 apps and that I have a huge online mm-hmm. following and that I uh, haven't put out a hardcover book yet. So they're, they're looking at the platform. They don't really care about the, the book that's in between. In fact, I was encouraged. I, I, I really do appreciate my publisher, Avery, uh, Random House and, and Penguin, they're all kind of the same thing now. But uh, while I was being shopped around and being influenced by a lot of other people who are uh, writers, I was really introduced to this crazy world of people who don't write their own books. And I was encouraged not to write my own book <laughs> by several people <laughs> who have encouraged me to hire ghost writers and kind of do this whole other thing because basically they wanted to use my name and and milk the audience right. to sell the book. So um, and a lot of people, it's it's interesting. That's why I walked away from a half million dollar book deal is because I wasn't comfortable signing my name when someone else would own my name from that point on and and be able to wow. like sell things under my name. And that's um, what a lot of deals look like in media. It, if you're an actor. If you're a musician, you know, I was coming into this as a musician also, someone who really understands the publishing world from that perspective. So I don't really care how they operate or what their rules are. I wouldn't sign a piece of paper, and this is what I told my agent, where uh, it didn't make sense. Because I know if if we want to really gather momentum and sell this book, we can make a lot more money if we keep 100% of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and And there are a lot of bookstores out there I love bookstores, but they're not doing too well, (laughs) you know, and like books don't really sell there anymore. So the, the idea of using a publisher is, uh, is bizarre today, but it's one for someone who has worked so hard to build up a a loyal following, like a lot of us have, it can be an interesting vehicle to getting into places where you wouldn't otherwise play. Like mostly I just can't be bothered to try to get into Barnes and Noble, even if I have two books in there because we have a, like a media company, I'm a musician, you know, and we do like online shows. I don't care about printing books or like distribution and all that stuff. So partnering with someone who specializes in that is really cool. So I see it as a partnership and you you form a relationship with the people there. And ultimately, you know, I, I walked away from the deal and they're like, no, 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 we really want this, whatever you want, and you know, like, and they helped me out, worked with my lawyer. Uh, I even got rid of my agent and worked directly with a lawyer to craft a deal mm-hmm. that, would be okay for me to sign, which is really unprecedented in the industry. A lot of people don't do that, um, but it totally worked out, and it's awesome. But uh, you know, a lot of other authors a book advance is kind of a misnomer. You get, um, some of it at the beginning, usually too late and they hack it up into a bunch of different pieces and then the Uh agent takes their cut. And, uh, so all of a sudden, you know, you're out of money (laughs) and your book advance doesn't come until after you've published your book. So it's, it's a very interesting thing. And then, uh, you don't make any money from the book itself until after you make all of your advance back. Um, it's so interesting. and so, yeah, it's a, it's a whole, as someone who's an entrepreneur and runs a bunch of different businesses, it's like we were already doing like a million dollars in, in gross, in, in revenue. And so, like, that deal, actually, when you look at it, doesn't make that much sense. And it's not so crazy to walk away from when you're approaching this uh, kind of the way that we are. Mm-hmm. at this point which is an established brand with with a following that i really care about and there's no way i would have ever let someone else write my book and put my name on it you know i wanted to kind of see what would happen if if i let that start to play out and my agent play with it you know my ex-agent i should say <laughs> um just to see if that really happens you know because like i'd heard of that but i just oh, couldn't believe I, I couldn't believe like the amount that it was encouraged um, it, it was so bizarre, but actually the dirty little joke that I haven't really told that many people is that I'm writing a book about writing this book oh, really? nice. <laughs> and, and, and it's basically an expose of, of the publishing world and the media world. It's going to be called fire the gatekeepers. Um, huh. but <laughs> I can't talk about it too much. Yeah, no, that's good. It'll I mean, get that's me right in way too much trouble. <laughs> Cause I mean,
0: I've, I, I've been approached by publishers too to do certain things. Right. things and, and have had deals uh you know on the table and I've, I've said no for a lot of the same reasons and they do encourage authors to just you know especially those who have platforms like we do just right. just to get it out there as soon as possible right oh um, it's absurd and 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 so how you know going back to, to the writing process how long did it take you to write your book <laughs> they gave me six weeks to be what kidding. yeah so they and then were you able to finish it in that time <laughs> That's why I let the whole
1: thing kind of play out to see what would happen. Because I was in the middle of like, I don't even know what I was doing, but I was doing plenty of other things. I'm pretty busy, uh, you know, like <laughs> doing seven interviews a day, like regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was certainly doing that at the time and I was all booked up. And I'm just like, you guys got to be kidding me right now. You don't care at all. <laughs> but um eventually, no, it's cool. So I, I um worked it out. Essentially, that's why I fired my agent is because I wanted to see, she was, proving herself to me and it was absurd, like mm-hmm. what was happening. I decided to get in direct touch with the editor at the publisher, a wonderful woman named Megan. And we kind of just worked it out. And she's, I, she's like, okay, well, you know, after I walked away from this ridiculous deal uh, where you get a half million dollar advance to write a book in six weeks, like you gotta be kidding me. Um, that's why I walked away. That's a big reason why I walked away. And so when I came back, um, we just talked it out and she's like, how long do you need? And I'm like, I would love this summer to write my book. You know, can, can I just hang out and, mm-hmm. and actually write this thing? Because this is absurd. I will never let this happen. And I really do want to write a book. I want to put out a good book that people care about and uh, that, that they can give to each other for the holidays or whatever, because it has great pumpkin pie in it. You know, my mom's pumpkin pie. <laughs> um, and, and it's just a good excuse to kind of go off the grid for a while, which we did. She's like, yeah, you can have until August. So I took the whole summer to write it and finish it up. And then of course, you know, there are other rounds of editing and you go back and forth a little bit, but mostly I gave myself a, a couple of months and, and what we did is kind of cool. We, um, it was last June, we were living in Austin for the past like six years we sold everything. I sold my house, my cars, uh, downsized, and we flew <laughs> immediately to Fiji and then Australia and then lived in Bali for a little while. And then just traveled around North America, living in the woods and state and national parks. And that's, what, that's why I haven't had a podcast in six to eight months is because I, <laughs> there isn't any internet in the woods <laughs> yet, but uh, they're working on it. So I'm com- coming back on the radar and letting this whole you know, book thing kind of dictate a cycle of, of my business for a while. Uh, and it's been really cool. It, it, it's not always easy. You really have to work with people. You have to partner with people. You have to nurture those relationships. And for someone who's used to being a rebel in the online world, Sometimes that can be hard to stomach. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. That's awesome, Abel. Thank you for sharing all sure, for yeah. sharing all that. Where can people learn more about you and your book and all that good stuff? So uh
1: the book itself is called The Wild Diet. And that's at wilddietbook.com. And we're giving away a bunch of cool stuff, like cooking gear and even a drone and GoPros and other kind of like adventure things. Cause it's really it's a it's a book of stories about great food and about like getting outdoors and and in into nature so it really celebrates that but if anything else it's it's really about the cookbook (laughs) that's Mm -hmm. in it because the recipes are awesome so wild diet book is where you can find that and if you like podcasting which you you might um it's not hard to find me it's fat burning
0: man that's what it's called nice abel james everybody abel thank you so much for coming on and sharing all this and and the amazing journey you've had um a lot of gold nuggets in here and uh we look forward to seeing how your book does Thank you, Pat. You are uh, one of a kind.
1: And I I totally dig your show. I mean that. Thanks, man. appreciate that.
0: All right. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Fat-Burning Man himself, Abel James. You can find him again at FatBurningMan.com. And also check out his book, The Wild Diet, at WildDietBook.com. Definitely something that I'm going to pick up because I've been doing a lot of cooking myself lately. And I love a good story, especially when it's related to food. So again, that's WildDietBook.com. Dot com. Thank you, Abel, for coming on and sharing all of that. I'd also like to thank all of you for listening. And If you'd like the links and the resources mentioned in this episode, head on over to smartpassiveincome.com slash session 156. I'd also like to thank Ryan Moran, who was actually a guest on episode 144 of the SPI podcast. He's come on to sponsor this episode to help promote his own podcast, one of the only other ones I listen to, actually. It's great. It's called Freedom Fast Lane, and if you go to freedomfastlane.com slash pat or look up Freedom Fast Lane on iTunes, you go ahead and check it out. He talks not only about how to build a freedom-based business, but also how to to turn those profits into passive income. So he goes a little bit deeper than me, actually, with what to do with a lot of those earnings. And I highly recommend you check it out. He blew a lot of people's minds when he came on in episode 144, talking about building a million-dollar business in 12 months. And he revealed a lot of things that a lot of people were really excited about. And I'm actually going to do a lot of what he talked about later this year as well. So again, Ryan Moran from Freedom Fast Lane. Check him out. Look up Freedom Fast Lane on iTunes or go to freedomfastlane.com slash pat. Thank you again to everybody who's listening in and look out for next week's episode. Make sure to subscribe so you get it directly into your device. But next week we're talking with somebody who was really inspirational to me when uh, I got started when I first saw him on a TED Talk and his TED Talk really affected me and uh, we do some fun things in that episode as well including a little trip to Starbucks which you'll hear more about next week. So again, thank you all for listening in. Smartpassiveincome.com slash session 156 for the notes and I'll see you all next week. Thanks.
1: Thanks for listening to the Smart Passive Income Podcast
0: at www.smartpassiveincome.com.